Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. On July 9th, 1990, six U.S. military intelligence analysts from the 701st Military Intelligence Brigade at Augsburg, West Germany. At that time, the biggest national security agency listening post in the world, outside the U.S., deserted their posts, somehow convinced that the end of the world was coming. It is one of the most extraordinary stories. Joining me today is Dr. Bill. How's it going, Bill? Hey, how are you? Awesome. Uh, awesome. We're back. We're back together after we've discussed UFOs now. I'm not sure how there is a UFO tie-in here as we go through it, but it's uh, pretty loosely tied. I think we'll probably have some details later. So tell me the story of the... Gulf, Gulf Breed, this is the Gulf Breed 6, is what it's called, episode. Yeah, this is, this is sort of an interesting event that happened in 1990, and um, it's odd in many, many facets, because one of it was that there were six military people within the same work that worked within the same group decided to get up and leave and go to Gulf Breeze, Florida. So it started... It actually caused... What's that? Go ahead. Yeah, 11 days. It started like 11... Uh, July 20th, the news ran. So it was like July, beginning of July in 1990, huh? Well, what I have is... Um, let me look at my notes. The... Uh, I thought it was July. You got July 11th. I think they actually. Yeah, it was July. Well, it was beginning of July because the news ran July 20th. So they did the actual deed happened on the, like the, uh, the second or something like that. It was early. Anyway, early well, in July. We don't need well, the exact I actually, date. I actually have the, I have the date. And so it looked like on July 9th, the military noticed that these six were missing and by apparently by July 28th which was I mean what is that that's uh, almost 20 days later and life was quick they got they went missing they got caught and arrested and it was like within 10 days so in a very short period of time so, so the reason that it was it was interesting is and became a big deal is because all these people had top secret security clearances and worked with classified information. So six people disappearing with at the same time with this uh, with this classification caused a huge sort of brouhaha in the uh, government and in the army. They apparently put out a, an international like uh, I mean what you call it bolo for these six individuals, and they were caught pretty quick. Um, so well, there, it's, they, uh, it's interesting because uh, none of them are none of them are officers. You know, they're all like they're spe well, specialist Kenneth Beeson, specialist Vance Davis, Sar Sergeant Annette Eccleson, PFC Michael Hugstadt, PFC Chris Burlock, PFC William Setterberg. It's like they're not even. Officers, it's, I know you can be privileged, get privileged information without being 
an officer, but it's just interesting that, you know, so how did this come about? Yeah, I, I mean, I, well, I, I'm not really sure. I should say that the, the reason that they had, from what I could tell, the reason that they had the security clearances is because they worked in the cryptographic section. Yeah. So they're not, uh, what they did is that they monitored the machines and the translations of the uh, decryption of things and, and would uh, do the paperwork for the, the thing. So they were handling classified information and handling decrypts and encrypts and all that stuff. And it was a huge deal when they when they disappeared. So apparently they were doing um, this one guy who actually wrote the book called, uh, what's it called? Something Promises by Dave. Broken, oh no. Uh, no, not Broken Promises. It was... Uh... Broken Promises. And David, the guy, he wrote Broken Promises. Um, he said that um, apparently they were using um, Ouija boards. Yeah, they were using them. They were and using getting, and they yeah. getting messages. Yeah, yeah. And so, so one of the things that he wrote, the book that he wrote was called Unbroken Promises. Unbroken Promises, yeah. Written by Vance and Iris Davis with, with Anna Foster and Annette Levesque. That's from his... Uh, original manuscript later on when he um, published the book. I think it's just with an S of S. And that book uh, should be here sometime this week, I think. We can re so. certainly revisit this if we get some more significant information. But um, so they yeah. were, they started out, so they ended up, let's kind of go back to the chronologic thing here. They started out in Ger what, Germany and then they ended up in yeah. Florida Right. At Gulf Breeze. What, what they know is that a couple of them flew into Atlanta, Georgia, and they ended up buying a uh, Volkswagen bus and then driving down to, I don't know if all of them, but driving down to to Gulf Breeze, Florida to um, hang out with this woman, Anna Foster. So the thing is, is um, one of the things, the reason, there's a couple reasons that it was a big deal. One, you had people with, with uh, top top secret security clearance just leaving their jobs. They just the abandoned they just abandoned their post, right? What's that? They just abandoned their post. Yeah, well <laughs> it's hard to say from the stuff that I've been saying and the, the reports, the news clippings and stuff that I've been seeing, I don't know, it looks like from what I saw, two of them were on leave already. Two of them just took, two or four of them just took off. Uh, but what, what part of the thing that made it such sort of a, a scandal for the for the military is that they faked orders in order to leave Germany. So when you're a GI in Germany, most GIs don't, when they go over there, they don't have a passport. So you, you travel on your orders. They get off the plane and they, you know, there's military people that get off the plane in Germany. And there's military people at um, at the airport, and you hand them your orders, and then they search your craft to make sure that you're not smuggling anything into Germany. And um, there, so they a couple of them had to fake orders to get on a plane to fly back to the United States because you can't enter the U.S. unless you have a passport, or you have military orders. So that was one of the reasons that it was such a big deal, and they did an international, um, you know, bolo for these for these people. 
at the time, too, you got to remember 1990, I think the Berlin Wall came down in 1989. So they were, at that time, East or West Germany, I think, were still independent, separate countries. And so the big question was about the joining of, of Germany reunification and um, the other thing was, would Russia go along with that and what, what was going on with Russia? That was the, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union. So there was a lot happening in the world. So this, these people just taking off and disappearing freaked out a lot of people. And, you know, the, the authorities. Well, I thought so, they, I, um, I thought, I thought the reason they left was, you know, just go to the UFO convention because Gulf Breeze is a big UFO hotspot. <laughs> they, were saying that. they were saying that, but the news reports are all over the place. And the news reports are saying, you know, they're going there to kill the Antichrist, they're going to the UFO convention. Um, the story came from, from this guy, um, Vance Davis. Um, he said, I don't know, this, this, he got these contradictory things. He says they were using, uh, so he, he says that he was always psychically inclined. And uh, let's see what they say. The six, oh, before they left, before they left, they gave away all their possessions to their friends. No, oh, I didn't read that. Uh, one guy, <laughs> yeah, one, one guy, what's that? I didn't see that part. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I have this. Right out. This is uh, this report that somebody has actually put together that I, I found online, and it's sort of a summary of his book Roman Broken Promises. And uh, the guy, the one guy, gave away a three thousand dollars stereo system um, belonging to Perlick. He gave it away. They also set their records and books ablaze in a bonfire behind the barracks. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is freaky. So is this mind control? Is this a mind control thing by the military bill, or is this something they really conjured up on the Ouija board? What do you think? I yeah, I don't know. It's it's a crazy situation. I don't know what's going on with it, but I, I should say it's one of the things that bothered me when I saw this is I'm looking at some of these these clippings and the. Sheriff's Department in Gulf Breeze, they, they pulled over one guy that had a, um, he was in a van and the taillight didn't work, they pulled him over and they ran his name, found out he was this, you know, this AWOL guy in this group. Yeah. And then they got him, they, he, he says, no, I didn't tell him anything, but then the cop, you know, the report is, and then we used our intelligence to find the rest of them. <laughs> but yeah, he, he said where the others were, right? Yeah, he ratted him out. And then they told yeah, so then they go into the, the house, or, you know, he might not have, you know, uh, so they go in the house and they rest the, uh, to the rest four of them, and then the sergeant, the lady sergeant, was at the, uh, was at a local campground. So, uh, one of the things that the sheriff reported, he said in the art, newspaper article, says that they had a lot of, um, you know, they had suitcase, but they had $4,000 in cash. So I'm actually pretty impressed with it. They're walking around with four grand in 1990. That's, a, that's equivalent to like 10 grand now. Yeah. So um, that's a big chunk of change for these people to be running around with. So my question is, is where did they get the money? Is it their savings? Is well, they hooked up with the... That sort of 
they hook up with that girl at Gulf Breeze, right? You know, that's she might have had the cash there. Yeah, she might have had the cash. It might have been her money. But they, um, yeah, it's interesting because they're saying, well, she's a psychic and some other things. But then I saw in a newspaper article that she worked in a bookstore. So, you know, there's, there's all sorts of this, this uh, information or confusion around this whole situation. Um, but coming back to sort of their story, this, I guess this one guy, I think it was Davis, was... Uh, sort of instigated this Ouija thing. And they started doing a Ouija board, and um, he started channeling a, oh, I love this. He started channeling a green-skinned, yellow-clad alien woman. Yeah, her name was Kia from Kiasian. <laughs> Kia from Kiasian. <laughs> Where have you seen a green-skinned alien woman? Well, you know it's Star Trek. <laughs> Captain yeah, Kirk. I've dreamt of that myself. Yeah, what's that? I dreamt up those alien skin girls myself. Those green skin. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I, it's green and she's beautiful. Of course. So anyway, they, um, so he also had, apparently he developed rules, which could apply to the modern age. He says one of the rules, he had three rules. He said, one, we were told never to believe anything that you were told or read. The second rule that he, he said they should follow was always confirm everything you are told or read. And finally, three, always follow your own spirit or it will never mislead you. So it does have this feeling of uh, sort of a cult-like atmosphere with the Ouija board and uh close-knit groups sort of falling into this um, belief system. Well, it, it's, it, actually, it's important to note so, that uh, Kia's husband had been killed. Oh, well, the Kiasian civilization had been reduced to five spacecraft carrying about 3,000 people per ship. Her husband had been killed, and she had taken place as the commander of the small armada with her two grown sons in charge of two of the remaining ships. Kia became Vance's guardian. So, yeah. That must be Davis. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah they, um... But Davis had the top of security <laughs> clearance of all of them. So, one of the things that I should talk about is, like, uh, the reason that I stumbled across this was I was picking up another book by David Kehoe, and I ordered it from a vendor on eBay. And this, uh, so I get the David Kehoe book, and I get this note from the vendor that says, I'll, I'll read you the notes. So the note says, uh, thank you for your purchase. I hope you enjoy your item. They are collected from an estate clean-out, garage sale, and property rehab. Your items more than likely came from the now-closed Solar Light Retreat Center in Southern Oregon. The retreat was around for more than 40 years and had an extensive library of flying software and every kind of book, pamphlet, magazine related out to outer space, the occult, telephot, 
space contact piece and more. He says, if you're interested in this, please look at my other book. So I looked at the other book, and that's when I saw the book Broken Promises, which I've ordered. The guy also sent um, a couple of these pamphlets that this uh, center used to used to publish, the Solar Light Center. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, these pamphlets show is that this uh, woman that ran this center was a telephot space contact team, which I'd never heard of before. And she says that she is uh, in contact with uh, extraterrestrial telepathically. So that, that's also what these, uh, I think this guy Davis was saying with this group and what he was uh, demonstrating with the Ouija board. Right. Well, what's also interesting is that this guy sent a uh, pamphlet or their newsletter from this, this agency called, uh, from the, uh, the center, i got to get the name down, from the Solar Light Retreat, Solar Light Center. So I have a pamphlet from summer fall 1979, and it has an editorial about the man landing on the moon. So the editorial, man on the moon from the fallen planet. But then later on, they have um, a communication from a telecommunication, which goes on for pages. I'm not going to read it. A couple of them. Uh, from by Sutko of the Saturn Council, if indeed you come in peace. So, who is transmitting this uh, information from the XY-7 craft remaining high in the atmosphere above your locality. Sounds like so, a typical 19s. It sounds like a typical 1970s commune. Yeah, but I've never I've never heard of uh, tel telecommunication, sort of psychic communication with aliens. This is new to me. Well, the uh, Ouija board put the six soldiers in touch also with an entity named which named herself Sapphire and others, including those presenting themselves as the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. Mark and Timothy of the New Testament and the Blessed Virgin Mary herself. You know, and it looks like between 89 and 90, the Ouija summoned spirits gave the group a series of predictions. You read about the prediction of coming world events? Oh, I, have, I have a whole list here. Uh, yeah, there's a laundry list of predictions that um, I'm one of them had the exact what was it one of them had the exact count of the number of casualties in a major earthquake in iran of 292,236 deaths and it convinced the well, six that, that they were dealing with genuine transhuman encounters well that wasn't exactly true because according to his, his notes that i have from his book uh, apparently the number that they they um threw out was the guess or the prediction was 300,000, not the exact number down. Oh, really? The newspapers. Interesting. So that's our, but you see these things a little sort of sort of misleading like that. And, and my newspaper clippings are all over the place um, about why they were in, in the Gulf Breeze. Uh, what's interesting is that they had, uh, I was looking, when I was looking at this stuff, there was like a big panic about the, uh, you know, because you know, these guys running off with all this secret data to the 
instructions or something. And uh, the problem is that they went in the wrong direction. They went to Atlanta, and they should have went to the other way towards Russia. Yeah. Uh, sort of a, 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 their compass definitely wasn't calibrated. <laughs> well, they were definitely felt that they were chosen to act as instruments of God's will. <laughs> with the with their yeah, oath to the military seemed to be of less important. <laughs> well, what I'm, I'm saying too is that apparently they fell into this belief. They're watching the news. This is 1990, and um, the millennium is coming up, and so it's like there's a lot of these predictions about you know, things are going to happen at the millennium, and they're. Um, you know, the, the Berlin Wall had come down, and there's all this, uh, the, the military, the American army in Germany at the time was usually paranoid about war with the Russians. Oh, and also 1990, that was the Gulf War. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the, uh, so I don't know when the Gulf War started in 1990, uh, the exact date. I think it was later in that year. So there's all these tensions building in the world, and, and they're looking at their their um, secret intercepts of all these communications, and they're looking at the news, and they you know have this they develop this sort of belief system among their small group, and, and I and I think they just thought you know this is it, this is the end of the world. We're gonna we need to do something. They were talking about, and they were saying they were gonna run off to Idaho and uh, hide out for the end of the world. Yeah, I think at that time Idaho was like a big destination for for people thinking that, especially uh, fundamentalists, just like go to Idaho and wait for the end of the world. So, um, it's interesting. I was looking at um, Dan Davis's predictions. His book came out, I think, around '94, and his predictions in the book are accurate up until the book came out, and then after the book. For after the book came out, the predictions don't seem to fit anything, except maybe one. Yeah. So his bad average is pretty low post-publication. <laughs> but there isn't really, um, is there's no real extraterrestrial, like, except for the commune thing, which isn't, we don't know if it's extraterrestrial or if it's just a commune that, you know, grab that as a belief. You know, it's yeah, it, it really feels like a, a group of people fell into a sort of end of the world belief fantasy and acted on it. Uh, what's interesting is that they, they, I mean, they, they wrapped it, the military wrapped this up in like 10 days and just I think gave them a, it's hard to say what's, what's going on, but gave them a general discharge and a reduction in rate and discharge. Yeah, and Colin Powell had a yeah, Colin Powell had a fit about that. Did you read that part? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, who knows? I mean, it's hard to verify any of this information. Um, I mean, this. Oh, yeah, I think they were discharged because there was a follow-up newspaper clipping that says that three of them, three of the six, returned to. Um, go free after they were discharged from the army. So, um, and that's, that's actually pretty shocking. I mean, the army, I, I know about the time, I think I had some experience with the, with the army in Germany in the eighties 
and they did everything possible to retain troops. Um, I actually knew a guy that uh, that was a, I was friends with when I was over there when I was visiting. Made friends with him, became friends with him when I was over there visiting him. He was a um, a GI. He worked. Uh, I can't think. He, he he was on a fan track as part of his job. He was infantry. And he was telling me he came up he came up positive for heavy drugs on a drug test. Yeah. And they didn't do anything to him. So yeah. they didn't kick him out. They said, Well, you gotta go to counseling. You gotta go to drug counseling. Yeah. And it's like uh yeah, it's like I go I go I get, they didn't care, he goes, No, they just they, they wanted they're they're really strong on retaining people. And it's like, yeah, I came up positive, and they said, well, you got to go to I started to do like six weeks of drug counseling, and you know, going like every week to sit in a sit in a circle and talk about his feelings. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, they they they're a lot harsher now about it, but they, I had a relative that yeah tested positive, and same thing. They that was about the same time. I don't know anymore. I think you don't get a second chance. I think you're just done. But it's possible. Well, I, I, well, I don't know. I knew a guy in, um, uh, guy, when was I? I'd probably say late 80s. Uh, he came up with a drug positive test in the uh, Coast Guard. They implemented a, for, for marijuana, they implemented a um, zero, zero tolerance. Uh, zero tolerance policy. And he, um, he didn't believe it. So he testified. They they had him out that week. He was out that week. Is that he was for, shocked? Is that for dope? For pot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for pot. You know, it's so it's, it's policy. Yeah, and he didn't he didn't believe that they would do it, and he was gone in a week, and it just he was devastated. Yeah, it's so ridiculous so, yeah, the, I, with marijuana. Yeah, you can drink till two uh, o'clock in the morning and come in and, and go to work the next day and be tested and get nothing but pot stays in your system a couple of weeks so you you're in a party you get a contact eye you get piss tested and you get thrown out it's really stupid pot should not be even included in this unless you're obviously impaired it shouldn't even be included in the drug test thing it's dumb you know it's really well, i mean i mean things change so i got a couple things i got uh, I'm looking for a letter that I found, um, which was from one of their co-workers, from one of their co-workers, and uh, a guy says he worked with them in Germany, and then there's a book review, I think this is it, there was a book review in Amazon when the book first came out, that was funny. Uh, was it from Davis's book? What's that? From Davis's book. So the book, the book, uh, the book was un, was unbroken promise, a true story of courage and belief. And uh, I want to I want to read the uh, review and I want to read the letter from their colleagues that I found. But I want to do them together. I won't just do one and not the other. Just I want to give a balance to this. And I'm looking for the. Uh, looking for the letter yeah so we so you're thinking maybe this they con this isn't a real con this is a cult thing that's not really they didn't really conjure up a, any aliens on the Ouija board 
No, I don't, I don't think that is, but there's, um, well, that's a little disappointing, Bill. Want some aliens? Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't find a. I'm, I'm trying to find a letter. Um, hey, you're gonna have to. So, is there something else that you want to talk about? Yeah, they said there's a special. You know, they where it goes off the walls. Where Davis was talking about to, he was claiming there were buildings at White Sands. Which were not ours. Have you been to White Sands? Did you go down there? The no, uh, I've never been down there. Um, they were not ours, and suggesting they weren't human and very old. He then jumped into UFOs, stating that in the '60s, a new word word was introduced called AVC or term Alien Visitation Craft, and the human race was not created, born or linked to apes, we are survivors of a great war. The human race, as we see ourselves today, even our ancient relatives are basically put on this earth and cut off from the rest of the universe. And we have a special gene that cannot be copied, cannot be manipulated. They have tried, the aliens have tried. And it's called the Jesus, the Jesus gene. I don't know if we obviously coined that phrase. We can only wonder why the NSA operative is required to know this um, in the unlikelihood that any of this would be true to begin with. There is no need to know. So it's interesting how he, you know, came up with all this. But um, its new recruits are all alien descendants and then allows them to play the Ouija board only to have some of them go off half across the world and belief that the world is about to end. Though it seems that this fate befell Davis and company, it seems unlikely that the fate of every NSA recruit. So, um, not much logic comes to the story, but somehow needs to be applied with a reasonable level of sanity. Yeah, well, what I'm seeing is, is sort of parallels with like the spiritual spiritualism that happened at the beginning of the last century where you had spiritualists would do their seances with with knocking and voices and yeah ectoplasma and, and things like that and a lot of people believe believed in that and i um like you remember harry houdini harry houdini was big on debunking spiritualists so he would do seances and he would tie himself up and, and harry houdini was an escape artist yeah yeah and he would have people like and then, you know, he would do all these things like, you know, that like ring bells and blow horns and have knockings and all these other things to show that you could do this stuff even if you were restrained. So I, I, I think people are gullible. And at that time, I could easily see how people could fall into sort of like this crisis belief, you know, with what was happening in Europe at the time. Um, so I found I found that letter I was looking for. So there's I have two two things. One of them I'm going to read the um, the letter, and this letter is um, from a guy that says he's or it's a note, it's secondhand note, which is talking about uh, the guy that served with this group. Uh, he said he's a former sergeant in the United States Army and has been encountering all kinds of difficulties with regard to obtaining documents through the FOA 
uh, because of his efforts, he has been subjected to all kinds of problems, the very tricks at least of which was the armor trying to get his wife, a former Vietnamese national deported from the country. As a result of this effort, he retired from the army. Currently still fighting the army for some of the things that they've tried to pull on him, which sounds normal for the army at that time. I actually knew a guy that um, was in the army in Germany. Yeah, another guy, not the one I was talking about earlier. He had married a German woman and he was adopted. And so he decided that, which happens, people do in Germany, some couples do it. He decided to take his wife's last name and the army just fought him tooth and nail on it. And he's like, he goes, it's not a good day. Big deal. I don't like my last name. I just want to take my last name. And they were, they just lost it. They just blew a gasket. <laughs> and he says they, they, you know, he says they made his life hell just over that, that little thing. So I can see the army back then, probably still now, you know, the bureaucracy of the army, you know, just gets sort of stuck in their ways. Oh, yeah. What's that? They'll, they'll never change. They'll never really change in that respect. They have to have order, Bill. The army has to have order. We can't have these things going off the rails. Yeah, order, structure, and discipline. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so as part of this sort of punishment, I guess, for him, for whatever he was doing, he says uh, just prior to his retirement, Clifford was sent on a hardship tour to, you guessed it, 103rd Intelligence Battalion, of the 701st Intelligence Brigade in Oxford, Germany. During his tour over there, he became intimately acquainted with three of the deserters recently arrested in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Clifford told me on the morning, on more than one occasion, the three would come to his quarters after duty hours and discuss with him the subject of UFOs, and occasionally they would call him over to the tunnel at brigade headquarters and show him bits and pieces of information that they had gathered during the course of their duties that dealt specifically with UFOs. No. So there's a, there's there's a, a tie in. Here. Well, it's there. about time. Clifford knew these people intimately for over a year. It is in his, it is his contention that the story that is being publicized about them being a cult group who went AWOL to come to Gulf Breeze and meet the Antichrist on August the 6th and kill him is a bunch of crap. He further stated that the three people were professional in every sense of the word. Another point that he brought out that I find interesting is that they, the deserters, are being held at Fort Benning, Georgia. He, as well as I, find this extremely interesting since there are other military installations much closer and just suited to the just as suited to in incarcerate them because that doesn't really matter yeah because uh, they were shortly they were discharged shortly after that i think this is dated 22 july 90 and they were discharged um like eight days later and so and to follow that up there was a uh, this is a review that for the book unbroken promises from someone that says that they served with them in Germany. And he says, I never thought I'd actually see the day that this load of garbage actually published. I was stationed with these chowderheads <laughs> and even went to Pensacola with them, with most of them, went to Pensacola. That's where the cryptographic school was. 
who is the author of the book, while a friendly guy was never something, anything close to being being a soldier, noted throughout the unit for being a compulsive liar. For example, he told me several times he had been on the Olympic baseball team and had written a smash hit song for late 80s. Uh, I have no idea how this guy ever got a security clearance or hired a confidential. He had recently bought an East German uniform. That's when this happened. Many of us thought in the unit that he had gone AWOL over the wall. I guess to go to the, the Germans. Yeah. It would have been the kind of thing he would do. He would, uh, he would have drove in the East Germans nuts and gotten sent back with fat, fat lips. So anyway, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, think highly of these people. He says that these ones we had constant, uh, they had end of the war, world parties and uh, whatever. So anyway, so it's a two different, two different viewpoints from two different people that supposedly served with them. So really, it kind of feels like they were partying, dicking around. They were kind of UFO enthusiasts. They kind of got together. A lot of stuff was going on in the 90s, and they just, just said, fuck it, and we're going to go back to, you know, back to Florida, got caught, and, you know, well, thrown out. I, I mean, you know. Well, I think that they so, like, last time that we talked, you were talking about the five guys with the uh, alien abduction story, where they all passed the yeah. uh, lie detector test. Yeah, Travis, test, Travis, test. Walt, Travis Walton. Yeah. That was so the... here you have six individuals that are consistent with their, their story, and they have a strong belief of this occurrence that happened. So I think it's similar to the six people. You have six people that have this belief, they developed this belief that the medic was the end of the world. And that they felt compelled because you, you know what a big deal it is to go AWOL, right? Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's huge. You don't want to do that. You will no, get you caught. Don't want to do that. So they, but you know, at least two of them were on leave, and two or four of them uh, took off. At least two of them forged travel documents. And travel documents, I can't imagine forging travel documents in the military. I can't imagine them not locking you up at least for ninety days and giving you a dishonorable discharge. So, but they gave this group a pretty, pretty, uh, it's just a slap on the wrist. Yeah, lenient. And I think lenient. what it is, is because of everything that was happening in the world, uh, they felt genuinely that they needed to, you know, escape the end of the world and do this. And then the, the slap on the wrist, I think, comes from just the huge embarrassment of the whole situation because they, you know, they put out this nation, this worldwide alert for these people that had disappeared. And, um, you know, everything that was happening in Europe, it was a huge, giant disappointment for the U.S. government to have people with security clearances do this. They're lucky that they just didn't, if they traveled to another European country, it would have been you know, 10 times as bad because then they would have assumed that they were trying to, like, run off with defense and bring them information. Yeah, it's, you're not, okay, so you don't think this could possibly be course we don't know government mind control experimentation with this group um that was brought up too in the i didn't come up with that myself but they, it was kind of brought up in an article that i read that you know they thought that you know this was one of those you know 
MK Ultra or whatever yeah, it is. Things. Yeah, Ultra, like the whatever. Yeah, the mind control experimentation. Um, yeah, I don't know. They, um, I, I can't imagine them doing this with people with. You might pick people with a top security clearance in the hopes that they kept their mouth shut. But this is a, a group of people that worked with uh, the crypto, cryptographic equipment. Yeah. So why not just pick a bunch of clerks, a bunch of uh, admin admin people? No, that makes of admin people. That would make more yeah, sense. Why but... take somebody? Well, you take know, somebody with uh, with uh, access to to uh, decrypted documents and intercepts and all this stuff, and you're going to give them drugs and try and mind control them. Well, they they could have controlled. Well, you know the government. They could have controlled all this information into them. You know, I don't want to be a conspiracy oh, yeah. theory guy, but they could have controlled this yeah. information into them to feed that to them, and then you know make this you know give them the drugs or and then see what they would do, you know, see how that even a group, because we know what happens with an individual, but they said if we could do a group um, situation and see, you know, how, what their reaction would be and how that, you know, how they would perform or what they would do in this situation. I, yeah, I have to say that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, it fits, but it makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you, everything that they're, they're, Oh, one of the everything, all the information they're being given is part of the experiment. Yeah. So yeah, it, it makes sense. What's the saying in the, the military? It's like you're a mushroom. Yeah. It's like you live. Keep you in the dark and feed me bullshit. Yeah. Feed me. Keep me in the dark. Feed me bullshit. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what could have happened. And that's a possibility. The thing that really bothers me is, is the amount of cash that they have when they got to um, Gulf Breeze. Because that suggests that, uh, I mean, if you were going to pull an operation like this and do a try to see what people are going to respond, you would make sure that they have enough money to, to travel. Right. So I would say that that is actually a small piece of evidence to, to support your idea that this was a big experiment. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was hoping you had an alien, you know, connection. I just don't think. <laughs> I just think it's a. I just think it's a mind fuck, and they maybe have lost control, and they lost control and had to gather it back together, and then they put them in Benny for Benny, for whatever reason. They didn't want them down at Pensacola, down at that base. They wanted to have more of a. Um, more control over that. You know Fort Benning, you know. Um, you, you've been to Fort Benning. I haven't been there. Yeah, it's so. more of a, well, yeah, it's special for obviously special forces. But it's, I think it's also got a, it's probably got a facility or facilities to gather this thing in, so to speak. And they just, you know, they said, oh, shit, it got out of control. Let's just reduce them in rank, keep them in, because we don't want them, we don't want to, let them out and then have them do this, you know, have this thing get out. Let's keep them where we can keep control of them. You well, know, they did discharge them. And yeah. Apparently, uh, one of the things I thought that two of them they, they put into um, uh, a psychiatric facility at Fort Benning for a little bit. So that would make sense. I don't know. Um, I, I can, I can, uh, I can see that scenario. And I, and 
And there is a UFO connection. The UFO connection is this letter from this one guy who says that they showed him stuff uh, that dealt specifically with UFOs. So, yeah, it could have been... Yeah, that was probably yeah, that was probably fed to them because it's an easy mark, and it's an easy you know subject to manipulate people. I mean, it's the it you know it, um, but you know it was like oh they wanted to leave to go to the UFO convention you know because they were you know they were all about the UFOs but all that the timing of all that was really like you said it was obscure they didn't have that date. There was a date that a sheriff gave them that they saw him at an airport, and then there was another date, and then they they said it didn't make sense for them to leave to go to the UFO convention because that was the story in in the beginning. They left because they all wanted to go to the. Why would they desert their posts to go to a UFO convention? That makes no sense. You know, I mean, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna totally get thrown out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I take a simplistic view on it. It's like I think one of the the guy probably really had a crush on this woman there. It's like, ah, can you go see my girl? Yeah, Anna. I don't know. It was Anna and, you yeah. know, Gulf Breeze. He wanted to get with his Anna, and Anna probably had the four grand, you know, probably however she got yeah. it, you know, and then um, got together with her guy, and then, you know, they put this thing, you know, they put this thing together. So, it, I don't know. It, it kind of isn't really playing out to be a good you know, the cold thing in Florida that you brought up, that's an interesting, that's a 70s thing. It was popping up everywhere. You know, it was, um, did you did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, with, uh, oh yeah, yeah, with um, uh, you know, we, Tarantino. Yeah, the Tarantino, like, it was kind of funny because the yeah, hippies, they had the, they had the hippies and the hippies were staying at the, the ranch that, um, down in LA where they had made the movies and you know, it was kind of the hippie because they had kind of a commune that they took over the, the story was they, I don't think I'm, I think everybody's probably seen it by now, but they've said, took over this commune and then, um, Brad Pitt came down there cause he knew, a, you know, he picked up the hippie, the hippie happened to be living there. So they, he figured out that they like kind of took over and were, they weren't the old, they were taking really good care of the old man quote and so they he let him stay there but it was kind of weird because that that reminded me of that commune thing but they're they were just i didn't see any they didn't give any indication of what the cults uh, the cult i don't know if you call it a subject or they're what their you know the cult thing is it's not ufo or if it's just them pot, smoking pot and watching tv and you know running a horse ranch because they for money they would people would come down there and ride horses but it was there was no cold. This, the tie-in here is you know, I, it was popping up back in that, you know, in the '70s era. But you know, that was part of the whole Charles Manson. I guess that would be their yeah, cult, and, you know. The, the '70s and the '80s, there was a there was a uh, cult in Oregon that was taking over a town, and um, it fell apart because they tried to poison the town people with like salmonella or something in a food bar, food um, oh, wow. you can eat place. Yeah. It was, and it was interesting because this, this um, cult, everybody, the disciples were required to wear purple. Awesome. And they had a, had a guru there 
and they bought him they bought him like a Rolls Royce or something. So he would drive around this, their you know the facility in this Rolls Royce. And the, the only reason I even know about this cult, it was in the news this time, is I was in um, Berkeley with a friend of mine, and we were walking on uh, Telegraph to go eat or do something. And this woman comes up to my friend and goes, hey, how are you doing? And, and, and hugs him, and uh, um, he introduces her and says, oh, this is, uh, she was with a kid, and uh, he introduces her and says, oh, so, yeah, this is my cousin, and, you know, she said, I'm nice to meet you, we're blah, 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 and they went off and did whatever they did. And then he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, she belonged, she belonged to, to that cult in Oregon. I wow. go, yeah, really? He goes, yeah, and you notice she's, she's wearing purple. She's still wearing purple. Oh, weird. And I look at her and go, oh, yeah, still dressed in purple. Her and the kids were head to toe, is still in purple. <laughs> oh, it's like a mi and then, severe mind fuck, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know, and he's, he's like, yeah, it's like, it, it was, it was one of those situations, and I think that when you joined this cult, you were required to surrender all your worldly goods to the, the cult, and it's like, her husband, like, sold their house, and, you know, all this stuff. To the church, so, you gotta give it, it to the happened. church, man. Giving it to the church. So I could, yeah, yeah, so I could, I could see, I could see six people that work closely together, uh, being fed, you know, specific information, and particularly if you have an individual or two that's, um, you know, sort of manipulating this information to for some end. Although I don't understand why they really must have believed what they were seeing to take off. Well, they like they thought it was so going to be the end. Of, well, they were. They say that they left because they had to destroy. The Antichrist in Gulf Breeze, right? Wasn't that the whole thing? That's one of the things. I mean, there's, there's, that's one of the things that came out. The other one said they were cult. They said they're not a cult. They said they're not doing that. They said they're not going to the um, the UFO convention. But what is consistent is that they said that they were planning to go to Idaho and live because it was the end of the world. It was coming. So. Uh, for what it's worth, they did have they did have a um, odd belief system, but they all were discharged. They didn't all move to Idaho, I guess. Um, one guy wrote a book. Three of them went back to Gulf Breeze for some reason, and who knows? Yeah, they left the cult, went back to Gulf Breeze, and you know, just yeah, the whole thing's kind of wacky. You know, it was a it's a really good story though. I mean, I'm glad you brought it. I know you brought this one up. And uh, I appreciate oh, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, fascinating story. It's very oh. odd at many levels. Well, since since we were both in the military, we know how bizarre it would be just to go leaving our post, going back to the U.S. It's like no, that, that, <laughs> making that's fake insane. orders. <laughs> yeah, not ain't happened here. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's insane. I know. Uh, I got a story that I heard there was a, a guy had uh, found this is at, this is at Fort Benning, and there was a guy that uh, was in town and he found a guy from his unit that had gone AWOL, right? He says you, you you ran off, you went AWOL. And the guy ran off because of a girl, right? Yeah, oh yeah, it's always the girl. Okay. Uh, so the guy grabs him, drags. 
blanket, dragged him or whatever, tied him up or whatever, took him back to the base and chained him underneath a porch oh. of the, like the barracks. Yeah. Because it was like a Saturday night, and uh, they, I guess they couldn't uh, turn him over to the MPs or something until Monday morning. And so he's just like, he said, the guy was so pissed off at the guy, he chained him like a dog underneath the porch. Oh, no. Uh, until <laughs> Monday morning when he could turn him over to the MPs. So that was, that was a long time ago. But that was like in the 80s. So there's some strange, you can, yeah. So, oh, and one of the things that happens when you go AWOL, and I saw an article, a newspaper article on this, this guy went AWOL, I think from Vietnam in like 1975, and then he got, um, and then went AWOL from the Army, and then he was just working for 20 years. So like 1995, uh, somehow he got picked up, I guess, because things were computerized, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, you're AWOL from the from the Army. It's like, yeah, that was 20 years ago. Well, you're, you're under arrest. <laughs> so they turned him over to the Army, and the thing is, is the guy was required to serve out the rest of his enlistment. Did they give him back pay, Bill? Did he, most, Bill, did they give him back pay? What's that? Did they give him back pay? No, 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 no back pay. Um, I think he, he had some sort of horrible little, you know, nothing duty or might have been sent in the brig, but they locked him up or did something, had him as a private. His pay was forfeit because he was, you know, you know, that was the penalty for doing it. And then he had to serve the rest of his enlistment. Um, and then they discharged him with the dishonorable discharge. So that's one of the things that's sort of scary about going AWOL. It's like if you're on a four-year contract and you go, go AWOL, the clock stops on your contract. Yeah. So I'm really surprised at that, how lenient they were with treating these people. So that's also an interesting, I think it's potential evidence to say there was something more going on here than meets the eye. Yeah, they, it sounded as like far, they, you know, the, the, mind control or, or whatever. Yeah, I went sideways in the military, so I tried to gather it in as much as I could, and then they let them just kind of get out, and, you know, this didn't happen. You know, one of those things. Yeah, yeah. They got off very light for um, for what happened. But it, the reason I mean, they got off really light might have been because of, of the embarrassment of the situation, because it was such a... I, mean, I have... I have half a dozen or two dozen newspaper clippings about this. It was in every newspaper in the country, and probably overseas, too. But yes. it was a huge embarrassment for the government. Yeah, it won't be the last one. Or it's not the first one either. Yeah. <laughs> no. Mind, control, mind control experiment goes awry. That's what they should have wrote on there. All right, sir, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, and thanks for bringing the... Uh, Gulfstream, Gulf, Gulfstream Six. Keep wanting to call it the Gulf Breeze. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's yeah. It's not a corporate jet. It's the Gulf Breeze Six. I keep saying Gulfstream Six. Um, well, I was, I was hoping it would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's compelling, absolutely. But it, and we did do. We have done mind control. Um, we have done a mind control episode in the past, and it is. That's why I came up with that, but it, you know, who, and who knows, there could be a lot more to this than really meets the eye. So thanks well, for joining. 
thanks for joining us yep, read the good. book we'll um we'll we can visit certainly visit it later um Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments and questions or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us at Facebook at the Alien Probe Podcast, our website, alienprobe.net. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod. Find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Thank you to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. Until next time.